0: Ryan Reese. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Call now, 188 564 6173 Or post your questions using the hashtag live Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.
1: What up, what up, family? Another beautiful Saturday night. I was just down in uh, Huntington Beach today with the, uh, it was called Beachside Summerfest. It was uh, down there at the pier, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. Does an annual uh, concert festival. Propaganda was playing and a couple other bands. But um, it was good to see a lot of you guys down there hanging out. It was like the perfect day for the beach. It was like 72, 74, something like that. Hot, but not too hot. And it was just packed. And there was waves. Nice size waves. So it was uh, summer's here. Summer is here, but tonight I have one of my good friends in studio, Phil Lug- Ludwig. He's the CEO and founder of Together Freedom and Teen Rescue, and I've talked about Teen Rescues probably um, several times on this show. It's a it's a place up in uh, Northern California um, that I go, and uh, we would we would take the whosoever team and hang out with kids that are just kind of coming out of just uh, issues and just going there and loving and then loving on them. And and um, Phil has opened that door. For me, and um, I talk very highly of the place, but tonight we have the co-founder or founder in studio, and I'm going to be talking to him about um, how he even got into this. But it's not only that center that he does, but he's involved with a lot of different um, stuff like sex trafficking and, and working with victims and the law and all kinds of cool stuff. So, Phil, thank you for being here on the studio. Hey, happy to be here. So, first of all, how did we meet? Refresh my memory. I have no idea.
2: <laughs> Cuz I, I remember honestly don't remember. You don't? No, You're I know. getting old like me. I know well I'm old. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, but I just know that you came up and and I remember what sticks out in my mind is the like 30 kids got baptized. It was so cool, you know, just to see the kids just respond to you and and your wife and so it was really awesome and you know, I know that uh, my campus director Tiffany loves it when you guys came up. So,
1: we love you. We love her. We love the whole team. It was just a, it was just a mind-blowing experience to be able to just hang out and, um, just hang out with these kids and just kind of see what they're going through and and uh, just to love them, love yeah. them and connect with them and and then as we were up there, God opened up opportunities to. Uh, to um, just share the gospel and you know you guys have this like pond is it a pond that's yeah one?
2: well you know is, it? I can't tell if it's a small lake or a large pond <laughs> it's in that no man's land yeah but, but you can canoe on it and you know
1: yeah I mean you do all these activities on there yeah and uh, there's even a goat in the middle of it but um, <laughs> yeah do you still have that goat uh, we have actually a lot more goats is
2: there yeah Tiffany's an animal freak so there are animals everywhere we have Newfoundland dogs we have goats we have I mean horses I mean you name that's it that's right.
1: you have the horse too that one that would just well, show up or that one,
2: yeah, that one's not there anymore. Oh, he, okay. He kicked the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> he
1: was old. He was old. Yeah. <laughs> it was. We'd be playing football um, or doing whatever we were looking at. All of a sudden, we would look over, and the horse was just hanging out, looking at us. And then we would go to the other side of the property. Then it's just there too. It was like, a
2: wild Mustang. Oh, was that? It was a nobody's horse. It was a wild Mustang. No way. Yeah, it was cool. That's yeah. why I was sad when it passed. But oh wow,
1: well, that stinks. Yeah, but um, it was uh. You know, so now it, that it was, everybody, it was out. awesome. <laughs> and you guys never even, uh, you guys have never done a baptism there either.
2: <laughs> Um, at that point, I don't you? think we had at that point. Yeah, yeah, we have since. But so I don't, that was
1: the first one, though.
2: I think it might have been. T-shirt. But it was it was crazy how many kids. That was just so awesome. T-shirt. I was unfortunately not able to be there. But it was I heard about it from staff like crazy. So that was
1: pretty much one of the coolest uh, experiences that I've had.
2: But before. Uh, so how'd you even get into all this? I'm not sure about that either. (laughs) No, I think that, um, uh, you know, God's got an amazing sense of humor, and he's got an amazing way to kind of guide you into stuff. And uh, I was a San Diego police officer working in La Jolla, Mission Beach, and uh, we got this call one day, and it was to— Support the FBI in a sting operation or a rescue of 11 girls that were in a hotel in downtown La Jolla right off right off the La Jolla Shores. And um, and I, I just found that amazing that here we are in this sophisticated country and there's trafficking going on. And this was 30 years ago. I mean that tells you how old wow, I am. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and well, that's right by the beach, right? Yeah, right on the right, the big hotel, right off in of North Torrey Pines. Dude, that is crazy. Yeah, so we went there, and before we got there, the the suspect had uh, learned of who had informed on him, so he shot at her and literally tried to kill her. So she jumps into a commercial, you know, one of the larger commercial trash cans and hides. Uh, we get there. Um, she, we we pull her out of the trash can and rescue her and then we go up to the hotel room and we rescue the other girls and uh you know and then he of course went to jail but it was a real eye opener for me it was like wow this is you know and these girls were part of a front like a modeling agency where they thought they were you know going to paris for a photo shoot so wait were they all americans or were they yeah they're all american country? girls 14 15 16 years old and so they, this guy, what he would do is he would what they call groom the, the girls in the family. And so they, he would build trust with them and say they were part of a modeling agency and he would do photo shoots and he'd build the trust. And then he, he came to him and said, hey, your daughter got offered, which is an amazing privilege, to go to Paris for a, a photo shoot. Now, what 16-year-old, 14-year-old girl isn't going to flip out at that? Yeah. So that you know puts pressure on the parents to, to let him go. And by then he's he's built a relationship with the parents, so the parents sort of trust him, and so he gets all the waivers and says they're going to be chaperoned and you know blah blah blah, and they're going to fly into Greece and then they're going to go to Paris, and and so these parents signed off on this, and of course thank God that there was this informant in there because if they hadn't they would have been gone because they are actually going to. Greece, and then they were going to Turkey, and they were, they had been sold for twenty thousand apiece. So they w- w- where would they be trafficked?
1: Like, would they stay in Turkey, or yeah, would they, they be would distributed? have been
2: sold uh, some, Well, I don't know if they would have stayed in Turkey, but they were basically sold for twenty thousand apiece, and they were going to end up in Turkey, and where they go from there, dude, that is crazy. It is crazy, uh, you know. And and kids are disappearing, and people think that they're runaways, but there's some of these runaways that are not runaways. They're right. just disappearing. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of opened my eyes. And so Kim and I, my wife, we just thought, you know what? We need to reach out. And so I eventually retired from the police department and, um, Started helping families just on the side, and then it grew, and it was sort of like a side ministry, and then it just grew, 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 and then pretty soon, a couple million dollars a year, you know, it was turning into a pretty big operation. So we were doing all sorts of things, and the more and more I got involved with the FBI, the district attorney's offices, um, Homeland Security, they would call me and say, look, we've had this girl that we just rescued out of sex trafficking. Would you take her? So. My first facility was uh, Josh McDowell's facility up in Julian, and okay. and then the fires came and burned us to the ground um, at another facility we were at. So when you were there, how many people did you have? Um, about eighty total. Eighty. Yeah. Now was this was this all like traffic, uh,
1: or was it just?
2: No, it was a combination. We okay. was a small facility, about three acres, had seven buildings on it, and then um, we had, like I said, we had probably about eighty kids. And then um, the fire came along, the, the, the Cedar Fire in 2003. Mm-hmm. And the, the one that was very large, like 99 miles, something crazy. Yeah. And it took it out. And so we were kind of stuck and we were in hotels and we were just like, okay, where do we go now? That one must have been insane, having 80 kids
1: and stuck in a hotel.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I literally was convinced that we were done, yeah. that, that it was over. Yeah. And so I was trying to figure it out. So I called a friend of mine who was running Hume Lake, uh, Jeff Lilly. And I he was friends because I had met my wife on staff at Hume. So there was a connection there. And so I called him and said, hey, do you know of a vacant camp that's available that we could go, you know, go to? And he's like, no. And then he called me the next day and he said, hey, I talked to my board and they want you to come up to Hume Lake. And I'm like, no, you can't handle, you know, all of us. And he said, no, we can. We're going to. So we went up to Hume Lake, hung out there for like 10 months. And I had staff parked everywhere that I could find. And, and we had a, it, was a, it was an amazing adventure. And it worked out super well. They wanted us to stay permanently, uh, but it was really hard on staff. And so we eventually came back to the, the campus and then eventually were offered this gold mine. Um, so wait, you came back to San Diego? Came back to San Diego. We were in modulars on the property that had oh, okay. burned. That's how that worked. So okay. we were just like hanging out. And we had a permit, but it was going to cost us like seven to 10 million to rebuild. And I didn't have that kind of cash. So God just provided, um, our permit was about to expire and a gentleman, he, he probably doesn't want, he's a very humble guy and he probably doesn't want me to name him, but I'll just tell him he's a, a a very successful business guy in the San Diego area. And he had a property up North and he said, Hey, look, I I want you to, to move up there. And when I went up there, Ryan, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. (laughs) You know, you've seen it and it's crazy. How many acres? 250. 250, <laughs> so 30 crazy. buildings, 250 acres, a baseball diamond, track and field, volleyball, basketball. I mean, it was like could icon- con or a lake or oh, yeah, a, couple, a couple, actually, there's couple one of, up north. There's one to up top. It. Yeah, up top. So it's like, God, you are so good. And like <laughs> cabins and like, I mean, Everything, it's like staff, you know, housing, yeah. a lodge, you know, it was just crazy. You know, the cafeteria is huge. Yeah. And so we've been there for 10 years. And uh, helping kids, and it, it allowed us to separate the programs, so we could put the the troubled teens in one area, the um, troubled like the troubled girls in one area, the troubled boys in one area, and then the, the what they call CSEC, which stands for commercially sexually exploited children, in another area, mm-hmm. because you really can't treat them the same way. They're they're really they're. The victimization is extreme, and yeah, so they're on, if, they're on. From what I've noticed when I was there, it's they're on two different.
1: I mean, they're on different levels here. Oh, absolutely, completely.
2: Yeah, different. if you try and treat them like a troubled teen, it just implodes. Yeah. So they're they're more about like a troubled teen would be a simplistic, it's um, a simplistic answer would be that a troubled teen is entitled. Now, that's not really fair to put them in that box, but just for definition's sake. But a CSEC kid is a trust issue where they don't trust anyone. Mm -hmm. And so you can't come in and just start disciplining them because they'll just, you know, say have a few choice words and then they'll be gone. And so we've just learned how to deal with these kids and it's been exciting. It's been super encouraging. Uh, we've had a tremendous amount of success with these girls by just building into their lives and, and sharing the Lord with them. And we had five—seven new girls come in about three months ago, and out of the seven, um, five made decisions for Christ within three weeks. That's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. So let's.
1: Do you mind sharing a couple stories about each section? Like you have like the the troubled teens, mm-hmm. and then the other. Tell us some uh, some of the stories, maybe of, of some of the. Well, ones I think that the, showed up.
2: the most encouraging thing is that you build relationships with these kids and their families because you're you're investing in them as a as a whole, not as one of. You know, we're not babysitters. We're not you know some to dump a child. We're here to you know we do parent training classes that are every every month, sometimes twice a month. We have parents sem- Seminars where we talk about boundaries, conflict resolution, you know, forgiveness, all the biblical principles that are really so practical that people don't realize. You know, they go—they always say, where do you get all this information? And I go, well, I get it from the Bible. And I go, really? You know, they, you know, yeah, the Bible is extremely practical, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so um, they just—it's really cool to be able to share the Lord through that means right. and not just— you know, say, okay, you know, Jesus loves you, you know, which is great, but it's, it's a real practical meeting their needs. Um, and then, and then letting them draw in closer and go, Hey, you know, what's different about you guys? Why are you doing this? And so, um, that's the biggest question we get from, from the traffic girls is, why are you doing this? See, they think there's an agenda because mm. they don't trust. Right. And so what we, we don't tell them we love them at first. We yeah. say we care about you because the, the pimp who we call slaveholder, right. we don't call them pimps because that makes the girl look like a prostitute. She's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we do is we say we care about you. And, and because that the pimp's always saying, oh, I love you, baby, I love you, baby, you know, yeah. and they're twisting it and perverting it right. where we sit there and say, well, we care. And then as they grow, then—and uh, they're, they're more mature and can hear it, then we tell them, hey, we love you, you know. And um, I, I have girls that—this um, one girl um, we rescued when she was 11, and she's 19 now and calls me every week. And I'm like her second dad kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yep. And— um, And when I was there, by the way,
1: what I I saw, Mm -hmm. that you truly are a second dad to them. They trust you. The ones that have been there, you know, for a while, you see that connection, even with the other girls in the other program and the guys, Mm -hmm. they have connection to the staff, even though they may show up and be very like, not, uh, not about trying to talk to anyone or whatever, but you can see the ones that have been there for a while, you can see the transformation and the trust and they are stoked to be there.
2: And their face changes. Their countenance changes. That's what's been amazing to me. And I never really thought that I would connect with the kids as, as much as I have with some of them yep. uh, because I'm only up there you know a week at a time every month. Yeah but you know it's really cool to have these relationships with these kids. And I mean the the girl that I'm in contact with all the time, I'm in contact with a couple of them, but the one in particular I'm talking about, you know it's she's probably one of the worst victims I've ever met as far and i hate to put that in a category cuz that can get weird i'm not you know every victim is a victim and yeah. but there is a severity to a degree you know that you have to measure cuz that helps you in 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 the healing process right. but just hearing her story it 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 really brought me to tears i mean it's just like how can someone be so evil to do this to a child and and uh, we had a recent situation where a child and and this is a mind blower. This is the worst story I've ever heard and didn't believe it. Mm. I get a call f- about a girl who basically was a young child and watched her sister being killed. And when the lawyers talking to me on the phone, I'm not buying it. I'm suspicious and I'm like, okay, I'm not buying this, but you know, it's possible, but I'm, you know. And she said, "Well, they actually had this child off book." So I'm going to call her Sue. That's not her name. But yeah. so they have Sue off book, no birth certificate. The older sister gets murdered by the parents. So they make Sue take on her identity so that they can't get caught for murder because Sue doesn't technically exist. You see what well, I'm saying? Yes. Yes. I'm not buying it. Yes. I'm, I'm on the phone going, OK, you know, there's no way. Because first of all, they said she had no legal guardian and they wanted me to take her. And I'm like, no, I'm not taking her. There's got to be a legal guardian somehow. <clears throat> so I'm not buying it. But then the the, the lawyer says, well, um, I, I I went and had a forensic test done because basically social services wouldn't take her because she was too old. Quote, unquote, she was the older sister. So the lawyer went and had a forensic test done and they found out that she was much younger, that she was a minor, in fact. And I'm still not buying it. I'm still like, okay, you know, a forensic test. Maybe that's subjective. I don't know. I've never heard about that, you know. And then she said and then so we went to court and the judge gave her a new birth certificate. Now I'm starting to go. Ooh, this is interesting. Okay, if a judge believes that this forensic was enough evidence to say that this is not her true age, mm-hmm. that's interesting. And when you meet this kid, it's she's a joy to be around. She's like, I never chose that life. I never wanted to be a part of it. I've got a new life now. We took her. I called my attorney and said, "Hey, can can we take this kid?" She goes, she thought about it, you know, and got back to me and said, "Take her. Who's going to complain?" so we took her and she's doing so well and she's made a decision for christ she's just super polite and super motivated and that's what gives me the energy you know to work with these because it's hard you know you're dealing with a lot of garbage and these kids are going to the doctors constantly so it's it's pretty tough
1: we have uh phil ludwig in studio he's the ceo founder of together freedom and teen rescue and back to these 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 uh, kids that are up there you know i've seen a lot of them have contacted me too the ones that we met while we were up there they'll Mm -hmm. contact me when they get out of the program yeah and they're doing good they're walking with god they're serving at their church they're going to be a missionary somewhere or they're working or getting married or whatever it is but they are there's been a great response to the program and uh, even when I was up there, there's ones that, that actually turn 18 mm-hmm. uh, when they're there. So that means they can literally just, in the, once they, they turn 18, they just get up and they could just leave. Right. But they stay because they want to finish their school. They want to finish their high school. Uh, some of them are already doing college stuff too because they they advance with their school system. Mm-hmm. But um, that shows you that how much they love the program and how much it's helped them that
2: they stay after yeah. so they finish all their schooling before they leave. Well, and another thing, a lot of these kids come back and be staff. They, oh, really? They become I didn't staff. Know that. Oh yeah, it's been amazing. You know, Tiffany, that's true. She she yeah. was a student, you know, like 20 years ago. <laughs> that's right. You know, so it's it's a real kind of a backhanded compliment that someone would want to come back and be part of helping someone else through a ministry that's helped them. And that's, that's really encouraging. And so it's been, it's really, really neat. And so, in that, all that, we've, we've kind of wanted to duplicate things by starting some programs outside of the campus. So if, if people have a troubled teen and they want help, they can call us and we can help them there. If they have a, a, what they call a, a traffic or CSEC victim, they can call us and, and we'll help there too. But we wanted to kind of expand the services so that we could help kids. And that's where the Together Freedom, it's kind of it's a play in words, to get her freedom, um, to create action teams. And so I created an action team as a pilot program in Oceanside, and that really did well. We helped like nine kids. And, um, you know, some of them did well, some of them did okay, some didn't do so well, but it was a way of helping them uh that where the kids couldn't necessarily come to to the school up north, and so wait, wait,
1: what does it look like? What is the <clears> action
2: team? Okay, so what I did is I had this designed about ten fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. and I had it in my head. I had it all planned out. I knew what I wanted to do, but nobody was willing to listen to it because trafficking wasn't a big deal until probably like six years ago. And now it's everywhere. And right. now it's everywhere, right? So now people are ready to listen. So what it was is is designed that people would get together. And when I pulled people, people that volunteered got burned out pretty quick. And so I said, okay, why are they getting burned out? Well, they were getting burned out because they were being put in positions that they weren't comfortable with. And they weren't, and they weren't kept busy. And there was a lot of different reasons, but those were two major right. ones. So I designed it where they can become part of these action teams and they can get involved based on their talent and their desire. So if they're a caregiver, they can be a caregiver. If they're a case manager type, they can do that. If they're a prevention person or a speaker or they fundraise or they network or they they just hang out with the girls and take them out for ice cream and just just kind of – because what we want to do is is socialize them yes. and normalize them because they've lived such a sheltered life. We want them to have a good time. We take them to Disneyland. We just got through with a Disneyland trip. Uh, I think it was like a month ago. We took them down, rented a beach house. And what was crazy about that is – and kudos to Saddleback Christian High School – those high school students – in one weekend, raise enough money to bring these kids down, take them to Disneyland, and and the beach house and everything, and entertain them. Dude, that is so cool. It's so cool. And then they had this this uh, the first time we did it, they had the, this gymnasium at their campus, and so we brought all the girls there, and they played like the soccer type of game in in chairs, in office chairs. So they're rolling around on <laughs> it, it's just pandemonium, crazy, right? Yeah. It, but but it was cool because there was one particular girl. Um, And I I won't mention her name, but she was just she had issues with men and rightfully so. She didn't want to get involved. But as the day went on, as the evening went on, she slowly engaged. Mm -hmm. And it was just so cool to see her finally kind of. Okay, this is safe for me. I can do this. And and so we just had a blast. And so we do things that socialize. And we, like I said, we take them to the beach. We take them out to movies. We try you, and show you, them a good you time. You just give them these normal things, but that they haven't
1: had in their life. Well, Which they're is, normal to a lot of people, mm-hmm. but for exactly. them, they haven't even had these experiences.
2: Yeah, their childhood was ripped off. Yeah, It totally ripped off. And so what we want to do, and, and one of the things we're trying to do is to start a... Um, well, we're gonna we're trying to start a drop-in center in Oceanside. Mm-hmm. Uh, the God's really working that out so far. So we've got a house already. We've got uh, an organization we're going to probably be working with uh, with these kids. Um, it's right on the track where the girls walk. The, the track is where they walk, where the the girls walk, and and so we we have that uh, going. Uh, we're hoping to raise some money to so right there in that area. On I mean, Pacific Diego, Coast Highway.
1: That's, that's where when you say girls walking, that's like what prostitution's happening. Right, right. right there. And right. you're going to put a house right there. And what, what What's the purpose of that house?
2: It's just for the girls to get relief and be able to, to come in. So and she's like, hey, come cruise in, hang out. Hang out, have a good time, do some schoolwork if you want. Um, and you know, these are young. These are like 18. They could be um, anywhere from 15 to 22 that could be older being ran
1: by a pimp or is it like their their parents are putting them out there
2: No, most of the time it's a third party. It's very pretty rare that a family will put a child out Mm -hmm. Um, It's normally a third party Um, A stranger not so much a stranger, but like a boyfriend like there's three ways they do it Romeo gorilla and professional So professionals like the modeling agency I was talking about earlier the gorilla is where they just grab them and then um, the most common is the Romeo. They pretend to be a boyfriend, and then they recruit him, and then they sell him to a slaveholder. But it, interesting side note on that: one of the first girls we ever rescued <clears throat> um, in this new facility called me up a couple couple weeks ago and said, "Hey, I want to I want to meet with you for lunch." And I'm like, I hadn't talked to her in like ten years. And so it was so cool. She has a baby. We met her for lunch. Um, you know, I brought a female with me because I always do that. I'm always careful about that, of and um, just want to be appropriate. And and so we had a great lunch. It was so cool to see her. You know, now she's like 22 years old, has this child. Um, seems like a really good mom. And it's just neat. And I've been in restaurants, so I'll go to some random, you know, Red Robin or something, and I'll hear somebody yell out, Phil, you know. And it's some kid that was in the, in the school. And it's just it's super encouraging, you know. And so what we're trying to do is expand our services and the volunteer group. People can get involved um, in any way they want. We have one in Oceanside, and we also now have one we just opened three months ago in Orange County. Oh, cool. And it's, and it's based out of Saddleback. Okay, right High on. school, Saddleback right Christian High School. And so that, that has got about 20 members in it now, um, maybe less, maybe 18 to 20. And um, it's they're, they're gung-ho. They're on fire. So if someone wants to contact you, where do they go? Uh, they can call the Teen Rescue corporate office. Um, it's eight, webs-
1: what about a website?
2: TeenRescue.com. TeenRescue.com. teenrescue.com right. Mm-hmm. Or TogetherFreedom.org. Mm-hmm. Um, or they can call the 800-494-2200 cool. and uh, talk to Jill. And, and so they, we can get them set up if they want to, you know, check out a meeting. You can come by, check out a meeting. You don't have to sign up. You can just check it out and go, Hey, is this something that's for me?
1: Yeah. And it seems like there's a lot of opportunities, different, different callings to, for you know, mm-hmm. wherever you want to serve in that. And that's awesome. You know, back to what you were saying about how, uh, so how some are groomed or professionally groomed or, uh, you know, I think there was like three different ones you said, but when I was up there at teen rescue, there was one girl that, that was there that, uh, she was online, and she was talking to a guy online mm-hmm. for a while. And the mm-hmm. guy was she was sneaking out with the guy at night, would pick her up, and right. he was grooming her absolutely to kidnap her. Right, and it all started with with uh, being online and and just uh, developing this relationship with this this guy.
2: And I met with that girl um, three years after she left the school. Oh, really? Yeah, because I know who you're talking about. Yes, this, but this guy was so evil. I mean. This is where I think it begins. It begins with evil, then they devalue human life, and then it's just about the money. And and so this guy was emailing this girl saying, No, you need to get along with your parents. You need to, you know, they found they found each other online. He lied about his age. And so, and that's why parents need to be so careful about the online stuff. Oh, yeah. And so, so she builds this relationship with this guy, and she's emotionally connected, even though she doesn't really know who this guy is. So she has a meltdown with her parents one night, and she says, you know, I'm just super, super upset with them. And this is after eight months of communication. Dude,
1: that's crazy. It
2: is. They're patient people. Yeah. And so he says, okay, I'll tell you what. You can come over for one night, cool down, and then you have to go home. And she's like, "Oh, great!" She goes there. There's eight men waiting for her. What? And I won't. I won't. You know, you can you can yeah. figure that out from there. Yes. And and she was devastated. She was victimized all night long. And oh my gosh! That yeah. Is in- See, I didn't know that.
1: I didn't get that deep into the conversation.
2: That no, is it's insane. These people are evil, and they're smart. They're not your typical you know, kind of dumb criminal who leaves their license at the bank after they robbed the bank. You know what I mean? Yes. These people are cunning. And they, they took her back home after that? Well, she, she ran away from them. They kept her there for a while. Okay. And then what happened was she was at the L.A. train station and there was an Amber Alert on her and a security guard recognized her. Okay. And so the pimp split. He grabbed the girl and then the gr- they called us. The parents called us and then we went and rescued her. Unbelievable! This is Phil
1: Ludwig in studio. He's the CEO and founder of Together Freedom and Teen Rescue. Tonight's conversation is heavy, <laughs> heaviness. You know, if you uh just tuned in, this is uh, live with Ryan Reese here every Saturday night, just doing rad interviews with rad people. And um, you know, I run the Whosoever's Movement as well. We're gonna be going to break in about uh. I don't know about a minute, but um I'd like to plug our, our uh, "Kill the Noise" tour. As uh, what we do is every year we tour the public high school system, and we're going in and we're doing gymnasiums. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, assemblies for in the gymnasiums, and we're actually trying to reach these kids with the gospel of Jesus Christ prevention before they end up in this lifestyle or get caught up in just randomness. So. Keep us in prayer as we are ramping up for this next year. I know we just hit summer, but we did 59 schools last year. We've seen 19,000 kids showed up and 15,000 students came forward and gave their life to the Lord. That means they walked down, they came down, they met me on the, the gymnasium floor, and they said the prayer out loud. We gave them the Bible, and we plugged it back into the Christian club. This year, we're trying to hit 150. We're like, God let's do this we've seen the spirit pour out revivals breaking out phil and yeah. uh the middle schools and high schools that's cool and god's opening the doors and these kids are receiving jesus christ they're being filled with the holy spirit and uh you know their lives are being transformed we're hearing that the bible clubs they uh, one one was 20 people now it's 200 strong after our event so that's just one of the teachers that i talked to after the event but God's really moving. We've been hitting from the East Coast to Mexico to Northern California to, like, Seattle. But uh, we will be back in two minutes right after the break.
0: More live with Ryan Reese coming no, up. No. Is everything all right? Call now 1 564 6173 or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say whoop de doo. Now back to live with Ryan Reese. Don't say when- It is
1: true. I was at the beach today, and I feel sunburned. My brain feels like it's on slow-mo right now. But it's all good. We got Phil Ludwig in studio. Again, he is the founder and the CEO of Together Freedom and Teen Rescue. Their whole deal is they pour into troubled students, uh, kids, or basically even work in the human traffic realm and help get them rehabilitated and uh, introduce them to Jesus. And I've personally been – to his facility, I've been with the kids, hanging out with them. The the um, it's working. Like I've seen the reaction with the kids that are there. They're being, they're getting introduced to Jesus. They're getting their education, and they're actually leaving the program and they're living that life that they were created for. Mm-hmm. They find me on social media, and they contact me. Like I was saying before the break. Hey, how you doing? I'm walking with God. I'm serving the church. I'm a missionary, or I got married, or I have a kid, or whatever it be. They're doing good. The program works. I highly suggest it. me and my wife, we, you know, we were going up there like four times a year until we had the kids. We we absolutely love it up there.
2: Well, and just you know, as an offer to you, you have three girls. If you want to start a layaway program now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of girls, speaking of kids, yeah. For all the parents out there that are listening
1: right now, they've heard some heavy uh, stories and yeah. stuff that's going on. But let's talk about prevention. Okay. You know, I'm I'm a parent. You know. How do we prevent our kids from, from getting involved with stuff? What are some signs and stuff that we should be looking out for as parents? And I might actually – I'm going to open up the, the phone line for calls. Yeah, that'd be great. So I'm going to give out the number. It's 888 We want to hear from you if you have any questions about tonight's show, uh, about maybe uh, things that we should be looking out for. And um, but while we why we talk about this? What are some things the parents should be looking out for? Where are people trying to recruit young kids?
2: Well, obviously the number one is social media. Social media is out of control. It's um, it's just absolutely crazy. They they um, the government. I was on uh, Congressman Ed Royce's um, international task force for human trafficking, mm-hmm. and it's. Such a pervasive problem. They're trying to get treaties with foreign countries like Thailand to kind of, you know, curb the sex tourism that's going on over there with American citizens that are going over there for that. Um, but it's pervasive, and online is the number one way that they're they're really recruiting these girls. And Instagram. Uh, there was a, a place called Backpage. Uh, But the government shut him down like a month ago, which I I wouldn't even mention the name because I don't want to I don't want anybody knowing about it. But the guy went to jail. Um, They finally shut him down after years of of him selling girls online. Um, Craigslist, they got they've got pressured. And I believe that that's ended. Um, as far as their personal ads, mm-hmm. um, and so they, I heard
1: about that a while ago. Yeah, yeah,
2: and so there's been some good pressure, but now, and I'm not going to mention the name. Yes, but now that. they've already gone to a new website that's that's being um, managed from a third country, another country, so the laws are different there, and it's going to make it tougher for the U.S. to to hold them accountable. And I hope they get on it because I've noticed in the last two weeks the uptick in 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 this, um, sites activity. And so it's just, it's super sad that they're just, they're selling these girls as just property as just something to satisfy a selfish desire. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think parents need to be aware of where their kids are. They need to be, they need to be parents and, and parenting is intrusive. And sometimes parents feel like it's wrong to be intrusive in their kid's life. But you need to know what's going on in their bedroom. You need to know what's going online. You need to know who their friends are. You you need to know where they're going. And and are they really going where they say they're going? And I think that parenting today is, is kind of more the back-off mentality of, well, you know, I'm going to just trust my kid and, and hope that everything's cool. Yeah. But by the time you figure out that something bad is happening, it's too late. Yeah. It's too late. And I'll give you a story. There was um, a girl. Um, she was um, blonde, pretty, tall, um, smart, super smart, and started dating this guy. And the parents met him and thought he was really a nice guy. And all of a sudden, you know, she starts disappearing at night. And they're catching her sneaking out at night. And that's not her personality at all. She, right. she was a straight kid. And so one thing led to another. So they called me and said, hey, we want to we put our daughter into your school because we think our daughter is, is, is out of control. So I interviewed this girl and I said, your, your kid is not a troubled teen. And they're like, what? And I said, your kid is a victim. And they're like, what? She had all the signs um, what had happened is that she had dated this guy for months. He learned about her family. He learned that her brother had leukemia, 14-year-old brother, mm-hmm. and he knew everything about the family. He takes her to a party one night and he sells her for $5,000. He was a recruiter. He wasn't her boyfriend. He was pretending to be. He he sells her. They take her into the back room, and I won't go into that. And this girl is devastated. Okay she was beat up, she was victimized all night long, and then they, they told her, "If you don't do what we tell you to do, we will kill your brother." right So you she goes So she goes home and she begins to sneak out every night from midnight or later, is prostituted during the night, comes back home and goes to have breakfast with mom and goes to school. And that she does this for like crazy. six months. And how old is she at this point? Uh, she was 15. And so we got her, I think, when she was just 15 or just going on to 16. And she was a sweet kid. And she still is, of course, but... But she was devastated, and and of course the parents were like completely devastated. And I've had many of those types of conversations with parents who thought their kid was acting out, but truly, and maybe they weren't trafficked, but they were victimized. You know, maybe they were date raped, or maybe they were you know molested by someone. So it's really important that parents pay attention. If your child's shutting down and not talking to you about stuff, mm-hmm. that's a red flag. So if shut they're shutting
1: down and not talking,
2: yeah, not okay. sleeping at night, late night, late hours. Um, you know, kind of their, their, their time clock is switched where they're like sleeping during the day and, 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 and and kind of wired at night. Um, people think, well, this could never,
1: you know, this, this wouldn't happen in my neighborhood or whatever. Well, I got a story recently. I don't know. I mean, sometime in the last year it was down here in like Oceanside or somewhere along the beach right there in that area. Mm -hmm. There was a, there was a surfer girl out in front of her house. You probably Mm -hmm. remember the story and she was waxing her surfboard. And uh, some guys pulled up in a van. She lives right on PCH, right, right there with the beaches. Okay, these are nice houses. Okay, mm-hmm. this is like this is not like you know a, a super sketchy neighborhood or anything. Right. These guys jump out. They're trying to wrestle her to take her to kidnap her. And thank God that she's like athletic and surfer and in shape. She was able to like maneuver and get away from them and escape. And this is right on her front of her uh, house. Wow. On her lawn. Wow. In this neighborhood. Wow. I mean, this could happen anywhere.
2: Well, the the girl I <laughs> mentioned to you, crazy? the girl that I mentioned to you earlier that I had lunch with just recently, yeah, she was taken right off the streets of San Diego. She was taken to Mexico, sold to a female slaveholder pimp. Yeah, um, they, they she fought back, so they threw her in a closet for two weeks with just water, and devastated her mentally and emotionally, and then. Um, And then the State Department got a call from the federalities in Mexico saying they had this American girl. And then the State Department called us, and we went and rescued her. But um, I have police officers' daughters, pastors' daughters, teachers, social workers' daughters. So you're you're exactly right that this does not – people think, oh, this is just a troubled teen thing or this is kind of a, a depressed area thing. But it's not. It's cr- it's it's anyone who's vulnerable um, to being persuaded by some deviant, evil person.
1: And this is where the parents have to come in, and mm-hmm. we have to be connected.
2: And you it's have to be so, proactive. It's, it's, so,
1: it's so easy to, to just get distracted. Mm-hmm. But we have to like really be focused and watch these kids. I mean, you have to even watch out too. Like, just with people just around your kids. I mean, I can't. I mean, just from my side of my line of work, is, as I'm constantly talking to people and parents. I mean, I can't tell you how many. Not even the kids that are getting trafficked, but how many kids are getting molested. Yeah. And I've heard stories of like, well, I grew up in church. I went to I went to the Christian school, the Christian church, and my, my parents were elders in the church and we were hanging out with the pastors and this and that. And meanwhile, one of the family friends, which was a doctor, part of the church program was coming over and molesting a guy molesting their son at these family parties. Mm. This stuff happens like it's not when the parents are gone. It happens when they're in the in these houses. Yeah. It's, I mean-
2: They're bold. I hear
1: these stories all the time.
2: Yeah. We've got to
1: watch our kids.
2: And the thing that parents need to realize is, okay, your kid may get ticked off that you're, you know, from their point of view, you're intrusive, but maybe they'll thank you later when they're an adult and they weren't victimized. They'll thank you. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I I think that that's where parents need to step up and be bold and go, you know what, yeah, we want to be loved by our kids, mm-hmm. but it's more important that we do the right thing by the kids. Mm-hmm. And that's what God wants us to do. He didn't say, oh, you got to be successful. Or you got to have your kids love you. He said, do the right thing. Yeah. And that means being a parent, not a buddy. And you've got to get into their lives and you got to figure out what's going on. You
1: know, you, you need to know what's going on. I was just reflecting back in my life when, when you know, we were, we were uh, I was raised in Azusa, born in Covina and then raised in Azusa for a while. But the neighborhood started getting kind of sketchy at that time and, and like a bunch of kids were like getting molested, mm. and uh, just crazy stuff. And I mean, I my um, you know I was talking to my mom actually yesterday, and uh, I don't remember this particular part, but she told me I went to this guy's house down the street. This one of my friends, you know, Marky, that I went to school with, and I guess I walked in, and they were like, there was like pornography happening, and mm-hmm. and uh, just like some sketchy stuff happening in the house. And I came back, and I guess I told my mom what was going on there, and they were like, okay, we gotta we gotta get out of this neighborhood. Because it could just happen. Neighbors' yeah. houses, just mm-hmm. going to a friend's house. I mean, I would show up at my friends' houses and their dads would have like pornography mags. I mean, I mean Yeah. It's, you get it, exposed. I mean, yeah. I'm just talking in general of the job of the of the parents is you have to know who these people are, mm-hmm. who the parents are, and who the kids are and everything that's going on. If not, your kids are gonna get exposed to craziness.
2: Yeah, and I think that everybody thinks that that these pimp or slash slaveholders mm-hmm. are Are older, and many times they are. Many Mm -hmm. times they're like ten to fifteen to twenty years older than the girl. But the recruiters that recruit the girls are generally within two to three years of the age of the girl. So it's like kids
1: right out of high school, or (laughs)
2: exactly like the nineteen. Well, now who's going to be able to
1: get them exactly? Because
2: the girls are infatuated with the senior you know or the graduates oh, you know yeah, true, yeah. and so they're like oh a 19 year old likes me and and a lot of the girls are dealing with self-value and wanting to be loved yep. and cared for and so if they have issues at home or even if they don't and they're trusting other people and they're thinking what well, he likes me why wouldn't i want to go for that yeah it's true and so yeah, i i guess there's a line between being Absolutely paranoid and then becoming a micromanager of your child, but at the same time saying, let's do our due diligence. Let's let's figure out what's going on.
1: All right. One other thing is uh,
2: Snapchat, because that's that's a that's an app that
1: every Mm -hmm. young kid's on.
2: They're advertising on Snapchat. How are they doing that? Well, it's basically they 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 put the picture up and they have these clients and they have the list of the their clients and so they um, will. Oh, just, so
1: they're they're advertising the the, the, the kids. girls, mm-hmm.
2: and then they're doing it on on a lot of social media platforms. Um, they're they're moving to Facebook. Um, so you really, if your kids on Facebook, it's it's not necessarily a safe place. Um, so you, you need to be careful about that. Um, and then this new site that's up there, um, you know, I think most normal people are not going to go to this site that I'm talking about, yeah. but most normal people are going to go to Facebook. Yeah. And you need to know that if your child's on Facebook, um, you need to police where they're going. If you if you get a uh, you know a, a keylogger, which a keylogger is something that records the keystrokes on the keys of the of the computer, you can put that software on your computer and you can monitor where your kids are going and then check and it can send you emails if they go somewhere that's keylogger. It's called a keylogger app. Okay, and so there there are a lot of technologies, and I'm a firm believer. Like they have GPS things you can put in in their shoes. You can put GPS trackers in their in their wallets or purses, uh, uh, handbags. I, you know, I think teenage girls probably don't care purses. That probably dates me a little bit, but yeah. um, there's so on. yeah yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's so I mean technology can be bad, but it can also be an asset. And so I think we need to be creative on, you know, um, tracking their phones. Like, you know, I, I, I always encourage parents to have a code for their child that says, if I text you and say, are you OK? And the kid t- types back, I'm fine. That means they're in trouble. You see, because it, it, what they normally do when they when they take a girl is they take her phone. Mm -hmm. And they give her another phone that they have control over. But at some point, they have to give that phone back to her if she's going to go home and play the the double role. That's interesting. Okay. So if if you say, you know, I'm fine, then it's a red flag to the parents. Like, no, she's not fine. Have some other word that means she's fine. You know, like I'm good, you know, or whatever. But you can't text yeah. right in front of like he may say, text your parents and tell them you're OK. Yeah. So you, you she can on, say, I'm fine. mom and dad just want to let you know I'm fine. Yeah. Boom. Red flag. Yeah. Call the police. Trace the phone, you know, and maybe save your daughter from counseling for the next 30 years.
1: Heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Heavy, heavy. Um, speaking of apps, you know, you were talking about Keylogger. Uh, there's also um, another app that actually you can, um, you could shut down. Uh, you you have access to. It's on your phone, and you have an app that controls your kid's phone. Mm-hmm. So basically, at night, mm-hmm. you know, you could shut down all these uh, these you know social media apps and stuff while they sleep, because mm-hmm. a lot of kids are staying up and staying on social media. And this would actually prevent talking to sketchy people that are up at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So you could literally shut down all the apps. From like whatever time they go to bed till the time they wake up or however you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know the name of the app, though. Some lady told me on the plane about it.
2: Well, and the other thing that, that people need to realize, because I've done a lot of interventions with kids, is that these kids are technico- technology technology. Te- technology smarter than we are. Yes. And so it, what what this one kid was doing was um, deleting Snapchat off of her phone, but it still retained All the information. Right. Okay. And so then she was able to reload the program when she would go to school and everything was still there. Okay. Now I don't even know how I know kind of some somewhat how Snapchat
1: works. Well, that works even with Instagram. If I just delete my app right now,
2: yeah, I could go home with
1: it. Tomorrow morning I could turn it on and just loads right in.
2: Yeah, and so and and I just know that they're using these apps, and and you can delete them, put them back on. And so parents need to be kind of smarter than their kids, and that's tough because technology is always a moving target. But it's critical that they they really hold their child accountable because it could be saving their life. And then they need to give them skills. Um, and tools to be able to stay away from that kind of environment. You know, what parties are they going to? You know, are these parties vetted? I mean, I've had parents have a party at their house and have an open bar for high school students. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? That makes sense to you? And, and, I, and, and quite honestly, if, if a kid comes out of that house and, and is drunk and ends up getting in an accident and killing someone or hurting someone, you're, the parents are going to lose their house. Yeah, they're gonna lose their Yeah, for
1: that.
2: we 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 got a call. I want to give out the number
1: one more time. Uh, 888-564-6173, 888-564-6173 This is live with Ryan Reese, and I'm in studio with my boy Phil. We're gonna go and take Grayson's call. Um, okay, let's see if this thing picks up. There we go. Hey, what's up, Grayson? How you doing tonight?
0: Doing good. How
1: about you? Doing good, man. What's your question?
0: Yes. Um, I had a question. Oh, about, sorry. Um, Hold on,
1: Grayson. I'm sorry. Can you put your headphone in? Uh, is there? I'm going to get a... Uh, that what's, one? Uh, there should be... Yeah, a little plug. Hold on. I have to get them set up. I forgot that uh, we need to get them set up with the headphones really quick. <laughs> All right. We're going to be dialed in here in two minutes. Actually, not even two minutes. Probably like two <laughs> seconds. I'm on. All right. We're on. All right. What's your question tonight, Grayson? Yeah.
0: Um. I What I want to know is uh, obviously... Um, uh, you, uh, Mr. Ludwig, you have a set of this, uh, programs that you operate to help um, teens in these kinds of human trafficking and then also other types of behavioral issues and things of that sort. You did mention how with the new facility, you were able to separate out um, into different areas the different programs. But what I'm curious about is, um, obviously, there's obviously a lot of, in the troubled teens side, I think there have been a lot of reports of abuse, people being placed there that don't need to be there, um, and things that really, basically people that don't really need to be in these kinds of programs going there. I want to know in your program and in the um, populations you work with, how do you screen to determine that your program is the most appropriate placement for the given child, whether they're coming out of human trafficking and maybe can go home to their families, or if they um, are a troubled teen coming in who has behavioral issues that that don't rise to the high level of requiring an inpatient placement?
2: Right. Well, it's not impatient, but I, I think I know understand what you're saying as far as residential. Um, and so I think that it's important to um, understand that you don't want to go beyond your scope. So we're really careful about profiling each child. Uh, we have a couple hundred questions that we ask. And we're just a school, so we're not a therapeutic setting. We partner with uh, New Day for Children. We partner with Forever Found. We partner with all these other NGOs that come in and provide services that we either don't want to provide or legally can't provide. And so in California, you got to be kind of smarter than the system. It's pretty messed up here in California with all the laws. And so you have to be really careful that you stay within the law and so over the 30 years that we've been doing this, we've we know our lane and our lane is education. But we want to provide education for those kids who fall through the cracks, who might end up in a continuation school or might you know need counseling, but but is not going to stay, is not going to stay in the continuation school, is not going to stay in counseling. And we're about faith-based relationships. And so that's that's where it's really worked for us. And so I think your point's well taken that you don't, it's, it's like a residential school, and that's as simple as it gets as far as the definition, and that's what we are. But we are kind of like more like a traditional school 30, 40 years ago where we have a lot of structure, a lot of love, um, a lot of mentorship, um, you know, life skills training. So that these kids, when they come in, um, they can really go out with some skills that they probably wouldn't have gotten had they gone to a regular private or public school. So it's really important— that if, if we screen a child and we feel like there's too too much clinical issues or there's something there that is not appropriate, then we're we're going to say, look, this is not the best place for them. And then we'll refer them out uh, with uh, this large database that we have of programs all over the country and even outside the country that parents can have options. and um, And it's really important that we have parents come up and tour the facility, interview the staff, and then we let them interview the other students. Uh, We're really open book about that because we have nothing to hide and we want them to be have a piece about placing their child in the program. So they'll sit down with four or five other kids and ask any question that they want, except for why that kid's there. We don't want them to get personal with the other students, Mm -hmm. but but they can ask any other question about the food, about the discipline, about everything. And everything we do is by the book, you know, totally legal. We wouldn't do anything that a public or private school wouldn't do. But it's been a blessing and we've been able to learn. You know what kids we can minister to, and what kids are outside of our lane, and that we we need to to refer out ethically.
1: That's awesome. And you know, I like I said, I've been up there several times, and I've actually was there when you did a, a parent meeting. You had all the parents there. Mm-hmm. They come in. You had me speak to them and kind of talk about mm-hmm. the program. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's very interactive. It's it's uh, the parents are involved. They're talking to you know, you know, the Tiffany or you or, sure. or whoever. So it's, it's, it's really, it's a good, good thing. And if you are, are interested in finding Phil, go to teenrescue.com com. Com. Mm-hmm. teenrescue.com And what was the other one? Uh, together org. And you could, uh, track him down there. And, uh, you know, we want to thank you guys. We have a few minutes, uh, left. We want to thank you guys for tuning in every week. Um, uh, just keep us in prayer. Keep a uh, team rescue in prayer. Keep Phil everything that he's doing, um, and and just pray that God will continue to uh, open more doors as they're going down to Oceanside, right on the tracks, and opening that home for girls that are walking selling their bodies to the to the community. I mean, that's uh, you know that one quote I I posted on my Instagram a couple of days ago. It says, "God help us to look at evil in the eye and let the light shine." And you know if you're going to if you're going to go rescue people you got to go to the to the gates of hell like you were saying earlier Phil you know you're going to smell like smoke or you're going to get singed I mean if you're going to want to reach people you got to go to where they're at mm-hmm. and pull them out and they're they're caught up in in craziness and people need People need Jesus, man, and and everything that's going on, even with the suicide rate right now, with all the suicides that are going on. It's crazy, yeah. Suicide right now, just a side note because it's relevant, is at an all-time high yeah. right now. Suicide, they said that a new statistic that just came out, they said that this generation, Gen Z, are feeling lonelier than people in old folks' homes. Why? It's the devices. They're so connected, but yet they're totally Disconnected.
2: Absolutely.
1: It's uh, depression, suicide, anxiety. But the good news is a relationship with Jesus Christ, God will fill us with his Holy Spirit. He'll remove the anxiety, the depression, the loneliness, and all that, and he'll put everything back into order, and he'll give you that new life that he created you for. But it all comes down to to a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have 60 seconds left. Would you like to say any last words, Phil?
2: You know, I would just uh, encourage that if you guys want to get involved in helping these girls that we rescue uh, to contact our office and just, you know, just check it out and uh, come by to the Oceanside group. Uh, We meet at the library in Oceanside um, on mission. And, uh, and then we meet at Saddleback Christian High School in San Juan uh, for the Orange County group. And if you want to get involved, we're also trying to start a, a, um, a shelter. Uh, I got the DA in San Diego and uh, Orange County that are screaming at me to create a shelter for these kids. It's going to cost me about thirty grand a month, so I'm wow. trying to raise the money. Um, and that's short of donations. That would make it cheaper. But um, oh, bottom- got to go. That's it. Got to go. Hey, okay. thanks, buddy. Hey, find Phil. You know where to find him. Love you guys.
0: this has been live with ryan reese to connect or find out more about ryan click on ryan-reese.com check us out next saturday at 9 p.m for live with ryan reese